0: Welcome to this year' riding success episode with the gorgeous Sarah Lockman. Sarah Lockman has been riding horses since before she could walk on her own two feet. Sarah Lockman Dressage operates out of the beautiful Summit Farm in California. Sarah specializes in developing top quality horses from three years old to the FEI levels, while at the same time pursuing her dream of representing the United States in international competition. Sarah continues to travel regularly to Europe to find and showcase talented horses available for sale. She also holds the United States Dressage Federation. Dressage bronze, silver, and gold medals. I had an amazing conversation getting to know Sarah, and I hope and trust you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did having it. Here's Sarah. Welcome to the Your Writing Success podcast. My name is Natasha Altoff, and I'm a Grand Prix dressage writer from Australia, author of three books, and a leading online trainer of writers all around the world wanting to take their writing to the next level. I'm also a chocoholic, mother of two amazing children, and obsessed with helping writers be all they can be. Each week, I'm going to We're bringing you stories of inspiration, ideas and strategies of how to make real progress in your writing and give you actionable advice on overcoming writing fear and anxiety so you can take your writing to the next level and be the writer you dream to be. So let's get into today's episode. So excited to chat today, Sarah. Really, um, I think so many people are going to love to hear your story. Thank you. I'm excited. It is uh, an interesting
1: and fun story to tell, so I'm happy to share
0: I can't wait. I can't wait. So, um, where would you like to start? How did, how did horses begin for you? Um, what was your early years with horses?
1: Well, I have been riding since basically before I could walk. Um, my, my, and her whole side of the family are from South Africa. And so she grew up on a really big farm. My grandfather trained racehorses as, lo- as well as had, um, you know, a cattle ranch. So there were also working horses there as well. But in South Africa, especially at that time, that really wasn't much Western riding or it weren't really technically what the U.S. people know as Western saddles. So all the horses went in English where they look like Australian saddles, like working saddles. Um, right. So mom had this dream and she said I'm gonna have a daughter and I'm gonna name her Sarah and she's gonna ride." so my mother was on a very uh clear path she moved to the U.S. um and got married and my dad um comes from Wisconsin but never even had a dog so not exactly the animal person and he of course married my mother who is like the animal horse lover and could have more animals if possible all the time um so when (laughs) I was not even 3 years old yet uh we went on a trip just my mom and I to visit our family in South Africa and when we got back my dad had searched through it's basically now what craigslist is but at the time it was called the penny saver and it was a little newspaper that people would just sell random stuff on there and he found a 32 year old pony for 500 bucks and he thought that this was going to be the best surprise yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. They're going to be so happy. So we like, built a little shed barn on our property while we were gone. And here's this poor pony that technically, I think, had a one foot in a grave. I'm surprised that, you know, the guy didn't pay him for my dad to take it. <laughs> said it was the opposite. Um, but that was my first horse. And, you know, the first pictures are pretty cute because that's why I said about the Western tack is in South Africa. You know, at that time my mom had no knowledge of anything, any putting on any Western tack. And obviously I grew up in northern Nevada in a really small cow town um called Gardnerville. And so it, that's predominantly even to this time, uh, Western. So so it, the pictures, the early on pictures are pretty hysterical because the saddle pads on like upside down and basically over the horse's croup and bridles hanging off one ear and and everything but but that was my first horse and that's kind of what started it all um and from that point on I mean anytime I could sneak out of the house one time I think the horse was laying down and I had uh crawled up on her back when she was laying down they couldn't find me and I was out in the stable so I kind of from that point on was just horse crazy Yes. So, uh, that's how it all started. And, um, I, you know, rode a lot of Western and did, uh, trail and Western pleasure. And I think one of the trail courses, they had a bunch of, uh, little poles out and my horse happened to kind of hop over a pole. And so at that point, I told my trainer, I want to jump. So then I kind I of dabbled in jumping. Jump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I want to jump. So I dabbled in <laughs> jumping. And uh and did the hunter jumpers and that led me into Pony Club. So I um got extremely involved in Pony Club and uh worked my way up through the ratings. Um I finished as a B but was studying and getting ready for my A. But at the time um I had gotten a good job offer down here, so I couldn't finish that. But my parents were the DCs of Pony Club. Oh, and I, I love it. a huge influence in my time. So so yeah, from then on it was it was all business. I think uh another story I like to tell too is I was ten years old and I told my trainer, she was my first trainer still at the time, and I said, I'm gonna be a horse trainer and I'm gonna go to the Olympics. Um, and she looked that. at me, You should just go to school. <laughs> and now yeah. it's funny because I kind of and now, because I think I would tell other little girls the same things. It's quite a hard career path, but I would never have changed it for the world. So I still send her updates all the time, you know, that
0: I'm still making my way.
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: extraordinary. I love it. I love, um, that you knew from such a young age that this is where you were going to go and this is what you're going to do. Now, when you were 10 and you said, I'm going to go to the Olympics, did you have in your head, did you even know what it was? Like, was it eventing? Was it dressage? Or was it like, I don't even really know what the Olympics are, but that's what I'm doing.
1: (laughs) So, so at the time I had started, when I was 10, I had started eventing because that was at the time we were with Pony Club. And back in those days, you know, Pony Club was only three-day eventing, um, so I was eventing, and I, you know, my sisters and I, we, my whole entire family rode horses. Um, yeah. And so we would put in, like, the VHS tapes of the Olympics and watch them in slow-mo and then rewind and slow-mo, you <laughs> know, the whole thing. So I actually, from that time, I picked a year. I'm not going to say that out loud
0: because we're going to leave that to be. But I picked a I'm year. Because I like 2,000. I said I was 16. I just started like early dressage. I said, "Oh, surely in six months I'll be ready for the Sydney 2000 Olympics." That was my oh, plan.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> A complete year planned out. Like, okay, I should be I should be old enough, so that I can go to the Olympics here. And so yes. it uh, was kind of funny. And you know, so what was
0: your year? Like, you have to share. It's uh, only me listening. So it was 2012. So I love <laughs> it.
1: It's all right.
0: We'll get this. We just got the time frame wrong. That's the only thing we got wrong about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Definitely now knowing more, now you realize why you can't exactly just say this year, you know, and it takes so <laughs> much to get there. Uh but you know, just the passion that I had and I've just everybody's asked me, you know, if you could do anything else, what was you? And I don't even know. I've just never even thought of anything different. Um, and I just made sure to tell my trainers early on, it, they would always laugh. Um, but I said, you know, if you ever look at me and say, God, Sarah should take up sewing or, you know, oh, something. That I, test, I said, tell me and then I'll go back to school. But, you know, my trainers were all very encouraging. They saw, I think, talent at a young age. And and honestly, I just worked so hard and had so much determination. I think nobody was going to really tell me I couldn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, so we're in two what were you in 2010 when you said 2012 olympics what year was no it? i'm 10 years old so god how old was I? and then it would have been like 1990 1998 okay. i said 2012 <laughs> yeah and the plan was for eventing so when did that shift and change what what happened and unfolded
1: Right. So, always through my eventing career, I had a super eventing coaches. I invented through advanced. I was, you know, I did a couple two stars uh, yep. and was very successful. I was like top 12 young rider in the country. Um, oh. And I always knew that it was really important to focus on the dressage phase. So, mm-hmm. I had great eventing coaches, but I always worked specifically with a dressage coach, which was not always done back then. Um, and right. I had a great lady in our town, um, Shelly Edwards, who was very classically trained really about biomechanics, about teaching the horse how to use himself. And when you, I mean, I had, we had no money growing up. So the horses that I bought, I mean, they were off the track thoroughbreds. Um, So she taught us how to make these off the track thoroughbreds, you know, move to the best of their ability. And, you know, I remember spending lessons and lessons on a 20 meter circle going, God, why can't I get this right? You know? So it was so, I had a passion for dressage Early on, because it was something you could almost never you could almost never get it right um, so in, <laughs> you <still can>. um, <laughs> right right so when I was fifteen uh, so another side note is i've actually always been homeschooled, so my mom at a young age I was you know wanted to do this so badly and financially, we could not maintain that. So I really had to work off my lessons and training. Mm-hmm. So one way I could do that was be able to do my schoolwork whenever and then go work yes. for whatever trainers I wanted um, to have yes. lessons from. So when I was 15, I moved from Northern Nevada to Northern, uh, California and I worked for B and Derek DeGrazia and Derek at the time was the young rider coach for eventing and his wife B is a dressage trainer and she was very involved in dressage. So I figured, okay, I could get the best of both worlds, you know, worked my butt off, rode around town in a moped because I couldn't drive, you know, uh, and, uh, then shortly after that, I got a job offer for a very big training barn and sales barn in Southern California. And I up and I told that trainer, I said, I'm going to sell my soul to you. I'll do whatever you want. I'll clean your car. I'll mop the floors. Yeah. You know, I sell anything and I did end up doing anything and everything. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, to Southern California when I was 16 and, and that was for a dressage barn. So I brought my eventing horses with me and I figured that I would keep jumping on the side and focus yeah. on dressage. Uh, but one thing led to another and and I ended up really finding, you know, so much joy and so much fun riding these incredibly talented, you know, imported dressage horses. I, you know, I'd never yeah. had, had a chance to ride such Drove a
0: Ferrari.
1: <laughs> that was the end. Forget the Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> the so, beginning of the end. <laughs> so uh, after working there, that's kind of what switched. So I, you know, ended up selling the eventing horses and focusing
0: on dressage from that point on. I love it. Okay, so then I think what would inevitably come up is your off-the-track thoroughbred might not get you. So if that's where the shift happened, do you remember a specific shift going, but the Olympics is still the thing. So now if dressage is the thing, now the dressage Olympics are a thing, and yeah. now these off-the-track thoroughbreds aren't going to be the vehicle for that. Was there a defining right. moment?
1: Yeah, well, and I think also being, to be completely honest, dropped into the real world of, yeah. of course you know, outside of my little cow town in Nevada, um, not only do you see the quality of horses, but also to be honest, the price tags on everything. And yeah. I, I didn't really think, you know, and obviously I was young and a teenager, but I, I didn't understand, you know, what it would take. So when I got into a, a high end barn like that, I went, okay, well, you know, I didn't come for money. And I haven't married money. So, uh, you know, how am I going to make this work? And so one of the things, to be honest, in the beginning about dressage was, you know, I can make a really good living doing this. Because in eventing at the time, you know, the top horses, they didn't sell for that much money. Most people did, you know, off the track thoroughbreds or, you know, inexpensive horses and make them themselves. And there's also a different dynamic from eventing to dressage. You know, in dressage, everybody has their horse in full training. That's just mm. what is done. And eventing, I mean, my horses were never in training. You know, my my friends were, were never in training. We just paid for, you know, lessons once or twice yeah. a week. So when I really started to kind of lay things out and go, okay, if I want, really want to be a successful trainer and, you know, compete internationally at the top of the sport, you know, I'm going to have to make a good living. And yeah. so it turned into, you know, I need to make a decision career wise and, and be able to support myself. And I also was able to see during the time at this facility, at this barn, you know, sales and how successful buying horses was. So that really is actually one of my other passions that's let me, you know, be very successful in my career. So in 2012, I started my own business, And I told myself, I was like, you know what, even if I have to work at McDonald's on the side, I'm going to go off on my own and I'm going to start and I'm, you know, I'm going to start moving forward and, and really invest in my own
0: riding and training. Um, you know, instead of what, what age were you at that time? It was
1: in 2012. Oh man. Oh man. I'm really bad at math. I'm 32 now. So that would be what? Dead. I don't know why the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that. Bad one, it's <laughs> so it's right now. It's 2020. <laughs> So that was, was that was eight years ago. Yeah. So I would have been 24, 23 or 24. Oh my
0: God. So bad. Your own business. Like you just got to spell it like to start your own business. And as you said, back yourself, even if I don't have any clients, even if no one calls my phone, I'll go to McDonald's. I am, I am starting my business. So good on you at 24. That's huge.
1: Yes, yes. So I was, I kind of, you know, made the jump. And um, the other thing I had kind of realized by this point is it's not good enough to just get it done. You know, I was known as the girl. You want a horse jump? Give it to Sarah. Tell her how high. You know, and I would ride anything. I would fix anything. I rode a lot of problem horses, a lot of young horses. You know, put changes on horses that no one else can. And I'm so yeah. thankful for that time because it's yeah. really you know yeah. turned me into the person I am now. But again, my goal was not just to be you know a good rider. It's to be yeah. national rider oh. and competitive. Yeah. So I'm so starting my own business also allowed me to focus more on my riding and my skill set and, um, you know, what I wanted to be known for. Um, so I was really lucky to start my business off with, um, you know, I had a couple people that had known me for so long, you know, just being into the industry that followed me and gave me a chance um, early on clients that gave me some nice young horses that you know they could have sent to someone that had a a much more substantial record. Uh, But I had quite a few people really believe in me. Um, And that was really cool to see. And you know, one of those was early on was Debbie McDonald, who's you know now the Olympic coach and also one of my coaches. And she saw me quite early on and she followed me back to the barn at one horse show. And looked at all my clients and said, you better be used to her being gone because this girl's going places. So it was really, it was.
0: Was that, I would have retired then. It's like, (laughs) done.
1: Oh, I know. I was like, okay, okay, now it's getting serious. Um, it so is. There. I love it. I, a lot of things early on that happened. Um, but I, I grew my business and over, you know, the course of a handful of years, I ended up having the largest business on the West Coast, largest dressage business on the West Coast. I consistently had over 50 horses in training with, uh, multiple grooms and riders. I had a very large sales program, you know, between 15 and 20 horses for sale in any given time. Time. um and so I you know took that those years when I started my business to build big and I enjoyed it it was like a, a game for me it was fun for me to see you know how big I could be and how successful all my clients and riders and everything be um and, but there were those were definitely you know definitely some long hard days uh but it that was one thing I definitely was known for early on is I think I was the busiest trainer in California for sure.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's just unpack that. That's huge. So how old were you when you when you had that 50, that the size of the 50 horses? Really <laughs> think it was like 2 or 3
1: years in, so I must have been 27, you know, 27, yeah.
0: 28. 25 those those many horses so lations. Um, yeah. like that is just huge I know how hard business is um I know how hard you know all of that is and you just I'd, I'd love that you're um you're, you're you've just got this inside you of why not why not and let's just give it a go and let's just see where we can take this and you dream big and you think big and you get rewarded so huge congrats for that I think that's huge okay so was, did you have business goals and like dress the Olympics still, or was it like, it's all a means to an end. We're just doing this to get the Olympics. We're just doing this to get the Olympics.
1: Oh, as as sad as it, yes. So my, my kind of thought process during this time was, you know, one of the ways to make, uh, one of the ways you can make the most consistent money is obviously clients. So clients are great. I mean, I enjoy clients. I love teaching. I love coaching. That's totally a passion of mine. Um, and you know, I always had the idea of, you know, you never know who you're going to meet and you're never going to know, you know, what horse shows up in your barn that ends up being, you know,
0: 50 horses, you got a better chance of finding a bull Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, (laughs) always had the clients around me were so supportive of me you know I had really ambitious amateurs that all rode and competed all the way through Grand Prix you know they won many many titles themselves but they would always have maybe a young horse or let me show their horse for a while so you know I think it's really important when you're looking at um Career wise, I was always in the ring. So, so name wise, it really grew my name. I mean, if you said Sarah Loffman, anyone on the West Coast would know, well, she's either at this show or her clients here or her thing is here, you know, so a little bit name recognition that definitely built that for me. Um, yeah. And again, the sales and everything was a means to keep putting money away. Um, you know, I I had always hoped that a sponsor or somebody would come along and be like, you know, here you go. Let's go find you a horse. But I know that's rare. So my plan was I'm going to keep saving money, making money, saving money, making horses, selling horses. And I'm, I have to be able to buy these horses for myself. Um, and that was kind of my, uh, what started from a young age, it started, but why I was really interested in the young horses. Because finding a horse, it was definitely more affordable. You can find that diamond in the rough and then you have a chance of making it. And it could be the next big thing. So, you know, everything was geared towards that. And I think if you asked any of my old clients, they all knew, you know, even though it's the daily grind and I was trying to make every horse and rider meet their goals, I still had this goal of my own, you know, not on the back burner, but it was in the back of my mind working towards that. Yeah. So that's, Kind of where the next part of my story that gets a little bit fairy tale like starts is okay. um, hang
0: on hang on hang on. I just need to yeah. unpack this bit just a bit more so firstly yeah. I can hear goals 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 and that that goal you said you kept putting money away did you have a figure in mind you don't have to share if you don't want to <laughs> I think everyone's like what is the figure because again from like if I remember when I was um we started off in horses, and I remember opening the the paper at the time that was selling horses, and I went, "Oh my god, Mum! There's a horse for three thousand dollars." <laughs> We were paying, you know, the five hundred, seven fifty and I couldn't conceive three thousand dollars. And now right. the more you get into horses, the more you dream. <laughs> if anything would be three thousand dollars. Exactly. Well and I did you have you know, a range like a, did you pull like a million dollar figure in your head or were you thinking what? half a million? Were you thinking well, a young no. horse or free <laughs> horse? Gonna-
1: Right. I definitely, I mean, I, at this point, I I am savvy to what it takes and I'm savvy to what horses cost. I do a lot of buying and selling horses. I, you know, mm. at that time still also was going over to Europe quite often and and buying investment horses and selling them. So I I definitely know what a good horse costs and a good horse is not cheap. So my, my goal had just been to do, you know, find a really nice young horse. So actually one, I got a a good opportunity right when I started my business when I was 24. So in 2012 and a local breeding farm had gone um, into bankruptcy and they were selling all of their young stock. Cause you know, the bank was selling it. So it was cash only, you know, make it happen fast. And I bought a lovely yearling for $2,500. So I I still have this horse. I just took him to Chicago as a, he was number four in the developing horse uh, in the country um but I bought him for $2,500 and three years later I had an offer for $200,000 for him that I turned down wow. because at that time I really thought that this was you know the best horse cool. I could get my hands on um yeah. so I, I knew what horses cost and I knew it was going to take a while of developing good horses you know and selling them and and you know Either taking it, most likely I was going to take a chance on a young horse, and if it wasn't the one, you know, I it know would from being a, exactly the to be sold because you know good training is worth most of it. Um, yeah. So that was kind of thing. So I didn't have a number. I just knew, you know, I needed to be ready because, to be honest, especially now, it does not matter how big your budget is finding a good horse is not easy. So that's that's kind of the thing. A good horse is hard to find. It doesn't matter if you go out there into the universe with an unlimited budget, it's hard to find them. So uh, I just wanted to be ready to be able to make a move. If an opportunity. opportunity.
0: And there's so many goals. Are you, do you write them down? Are they plastered over your bedroom wall or were they just internal? How do you do your goal setting process?
1: um you know i uh it's a little bit internal it's probably it's a little passive as well you know i a weird thing i've always done is whenever i i like antique shopping and going into those little like chachki stores and everything so anytime i see anything to do with the olympics like i have all these little olympic pins from like i think i have one from like 1984 i have like one from 19 50 something yeah so I have all these like little Olympic things that I have I have saved and then you know I'm pretty sure anyone could break into any phone or computer or anything by just guess some Olympic name and and number (laughs) That's that's always been my little like code so then that way I you know I think of it every time I type in my year you know so so as my uh year for the riding in the olympics or you know representing the u.s as that uh changes so does my passwords
0: (laughs) i love it Uh, you are so going to get there it is guaranteed just listening to how you're orchestrating it it's definitely wow okay so i think i've unpacked that tell me what the next fairy tale journey looks like
1: so uh during this time of having all of these horses in training, I get a really random phone call from um, my barn owner uh, at, and that said I got a random phone call from this gentleman that says he has a Frisian that he wants to put in training. I know you're really full like he didn't sound to know like he knew anything He said he just needed a stall, but she goes, as I asked him questions he it, it didn't seem to know anything about horses in general do you want do you want me to give you his number or do you want me to give his number you know one of the other ladies? At the barn and I said, oh no, I'll, I'll, if you ask, you know, I'll, I'll call him. So I called this gentleman up and, um, you know, he started to tell me that he had bought this, you know, he wanted to, he's ridden cutting horses, you know, 20 years ago and he's dreamt about dressage and, and owning a Friesian. And so he's, he's bought this Friesian online or he's looking to buy this Friesian off the internet. And you know, it's like all of us horse people are like me, 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 red flag, red yeah. flag. Red. Yeah. I love Frisians for many reasons, but they're not always the best first horses. They're very bouncy and can be very strong. So I was terrified, you know, cause he didn't sound like he knew, had a lot of horse experience. So I said, you know, wait, wait, wait. You know, why didn't you send me the video? And if you want, you know, to come into my program, I'll go look at the horse for you. Cause he hadn't even gotten to see the horse. I said, you know, have yes. you thought, had you looked at x-rays? He had no clue. What x-rays?
0: Yes. Are we yep. Why would days? we do that?
1: <laughs> but I'll send you all information. I'll call you tomorrow. So he sends me everything, and the horse looks nice, but you know, it's a it's a Frisian video. So it's him the horse galloping through the field, hair flowing, nothing <laughs> useful <laughs> when it comes to the trainer looking to evaluate a horse. So he calls me the day, and before I could get the word out that I have a confession, and I go, "Oh man," he goes, "I I lied to you. I, I bought, bought it." The horse. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay I said so okay that's fine I said that's fine we can I can help you and he goes well the lady's trying to sell me a saddle and hold on no 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 let me let me help you now so so after that point that's Jerry Ibanez who I'm talking about who's uh was my late sponsor and uh he uh he said, okay, I'm sending the horse to you, send the horse. horse actually ends up being one of the best versions I've ever seen. And I, two years ago, showed the horse. I won with like a 73%. I mean, phenomenal horse. And uh, so that's, but he, when Jerry came into my barn, he said, I want you to teach me everything like I know nothing. And, you know, I'm saying to myself, well, you don't know anything, but it's okay. Okay. We will start from the beginning. So he would come and look like a totally normal guy, to be honest, Old T-shirt, jeans, you know. Drove a jeep, no big deal. He'd go and spend hours with this horse and with my grooms. Teach me how to pick the feet. Teach me how to yeah. brush the horse. Yeah. Wanted to clean the stalls. He came on Sunday to hand walk the horse. You know, and he and he didn't really want to ride. He said, "You know, I I want to ride, but I want you to get the horse to a spot where you think think it should be." Now. Meanwhile, just to give you an insight of how amazing this man was, you know, my my job my days were very packed. You know, I had that mm. many horse training, so Every horse had a forty minute slot, and it was brought to the ring. I would get on it, get off at the forty minute mark, hand it off to a groom or an exercise rider to cool it off. I mean, it's very regiment to get all of that done. So, I mean, this man would be patient. He'd be at the end of the day, no rush. I mean, just such a nice, kind person. So. Yes. Uh, one day it was like in late afternoon and he's in the cross ties grooming this Frisian, and I'm finishing up and, and he just casually asked me, so, you know, what, what are your goals? Like, what are you doing here? Basically. <laughs> and so I had told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this. Cause you know, I, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to be one of the top riders in the U S and I want to be an international, you know, top rider. Um, and he said, wow, it's amazing. He said, I have to tell you like, I have built and own quite a lot of large businesses. And he goes, I have never in my life seen someone work as hard as you do. And I said, oh my God, you know, oh, thank you. You're so sweet. So to cut a long story short, I had been going over to Europe quite often looking for investment horses and working with a partner. And I rode yeah. this fabulous Grand Prix horse. And I, you know, I went and I, you know, called my mom and I was like, I have to have this horse. I have, Mm -hmm. this is my chance. I have to find a way to make this work. So I sat down and I thought, I'm going to call every single client of mine and I'm going to put together a ticket because if everybody gives, even if they only give $500, they give something, maybe I can make this happen. Yeah. So I said, forget it. You know, I'm going to call Jerry. Uh, cause again, on that first conversation, one of the things he had said, after I told him everything I wanted, he said, well, if you ever need help, let me know. Yeah. Well, yeah. then a lot of clients say that, you know, they're very yeah. supportive. So I said, Oh, thank you so much. So who was my first phone call? I went, got all my courage up and said, I'm calling, going to call Jerry. So I called right Jerry And you know, I'm super nervous and I'm telling him, and it's a very, very expensive horse. So I'm telling him, I said, you know, Grand Prix horses are, you know, hard to find and blah, blah. And it's, it's going to cost this much, but I'm looking at doing a syndicate. It can be tax deductible, the whole nine yards. And he said, okay. That's all he said. And I said, uh, (laughs) and I was like, uh, okay. And he said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I don't need anyone else's help. And I mean, the phone almost like dropped out of my hand. You know, I just mouth is open, pick up my jaw, go, okay, okay. Pull it together. Don't act surprised.
0: <laughs> and I was
1: like, oh, okay. What are you sure? What are you? And he goes, no, I really want to talk to you more in detail about this. Let's set up a meeting. And that was the beginning of my amazing life I have now. So uh, Jerry ended up being my sole sponsor and him and I sat down with my coach at the time, Scott Hassler, and talked about everything that would it would take to, um, you know, really make a mark internationally. And, you know, it's not just about buying the horse. That's really the least amount of it. You know, then it was you know, Jerry's thought was, well, how do we take care of this horse to the best? You know, this is an investment. And, you know, one thing led to the next. And Jerry and I searched for a horse facility so we could take care of the horses the best way possible. So we now, he bought a 22-acre farm in Marietta, California, that is incredible, with super footing, huge grass turnouts, you know, a horse heaven, basically. And that horse that I called him about actually never ended up working out. Uh, which is oh, kind wow. of funny <laughs> yeah that it didn't work out so hilarious I love it yeah. yeah but that started the conversation and and from that point you know we set it up where um you know we found a handful of horses actually so now I'm very fortunate to have a pipeline of top horses you know from four year olds all the way to grumpy horses uh because the goal was is was and is to you know be one of the U.S top riders for years to come so oh, it yeah. was you know, so what year was that so that was so this has been a, almost three years now it'll be three years in April so that would have been in 2019 2021 22 no
0: 2018 2018 right. so were yeah. you planning for 2020 or were you planning 2024 so we had i had, right away had gone
1: and started looking for grand prix horses and i made yes. three trips over to europe um looking for a horse for if possible for 2020 that was really
0: the, the hope yeah. um yeah.
1: but it is again this is where i go back to saying it's very hard to find a good horse so it doesn't yeah. matter how bad you We're want it, it how yeah. Open your budget, it is finding a good horse and the right horse that's a match for you is very difficult. So, after three trips of trying, I mean, probably over a hundred amazing wow. Grand Prix horses. None of them were my horse. So yes. I came back to Jerry and said, you know what, instead of just buying something to buy something, let's find some really nice young horses and let's just make them. So bought a couple young horses, a super six-year-old, a super four-year-old, um, and, you know, started the path with them. And on a, in 2018, the fall of 2018, I was on a buying trip because the other thing we did is sales, um, just looking yes. for investment Horses for sales, and I always would throw out there, or if you have something special, we'll always look at something special. And that's when um, we met first Apple. So, yes. uh, and right, and that was just by chance. I, um, we had asked again a, a lady that had shown us a, a normal but a very cute five year old, and she said, Actually, I do have something special. I can't tell you the horse's name. I can't tell you where it is. I can't show you a video. It's not for sale. It's not supposed to be for sale. But she had fallen on some hard times family-wise. And she said, it could possibly be for sale. So we dragged to this unknown barn. Don't know what we're looking yep. at. Never seen a video and it was Apple and watch, you know, Patrick Vandermeer was the rider. Who's an Olympic Dutch rider. Um, and I know he was probably as surprised as we are on, you know, it's unfortunate yeah. for him, but yeah. I think he was happy in the end of it because it was such a good match. Um, but he did such a lovely job with that horse that I just got on it and it was two laps around the ring. And I had tears coming down from my eyes.
0: <laughs> you just did love
1: it. Yeah. Love yeah. It. And I looked over and the owner's shaking his head and the rider's shaking their head because they knew it. like, well, yeah. that's it. That's
0: <laughs> so on. Yeah.
1: History. I was lucky then we, we really wanted to lay things out the correct way with such a special horse. So I spent a month in Holland and, yeah. um, Patrick and Apple yeah. and learned it, got ready, groomed him, learned everything I could about him, um, and then, and then brought him over to the States
0: wow I've just got goosebumps because I love that story of you know that it was a lap it's not like you did the Grand Prix it's not like you did the Tempes or the Piaf or something you just it's that feeling when you get into the saddle and you just go I it's home yeah yeah
1: exactly no it's not that I hadn't ridden like I said we'd been looking for horses so I'd ridden plenty of lovely talented horses so it's not just that but it was just the right match and I think you know the rest is history and it, it proves itself because I think just six months later, eight months later, we had a gold medal at the Panams for that horse. So, Love you know, that. it just, just
0: matched him and I are just a, a great
1: team. So it's such a fun thing to experience.
0: So obviously you um, are so pumped for 2020. You're like, woohoo, you've got, you're coming off your gold riddle at the Pan Ams and you're like, this is, this, is, this is so exciting. How did you, how did you cope with, yeah, it's not happening this year?
1: Well, you know, I have to say it was quite a push for Apple and I to come off a of small tour and be in the rig, ring in the big tour in six months. Oh, you know, Apple, sorry, I thought it was a Grand
0: Prix. Okay. No, no, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, that is a big push. You are pumped then that it's a year later. We are happy days.
1: It, exactly. Cause it was, it was definitely a push. I mean, the horse is incredibly talented. I mean, I think I can say he's definitely one of the best horses in the country. And many, many people have said world, world class horse, but things take time, you know, and, and he'd yeah. only ever been an altar horse. So Patrick had only ever done the St. George I won oh, with my. him. We only focused on that leading up to the Pan Ams. So it was a very short six, eight months to try get him in the ring. You know, I think in December, I took him to I-2 or win a Grand Prix. So, I mean, he really didn't have time in the ring. And uh, and he did really well. I mean, we won a Grand Prix and a special, you know, 71%. Um, and he did a great job. But it was still, he was very green last year. So mm. it was really a push. It was a push. Um And I think more time, the summer has been great. I've been able to focus on, you know, the quality and the, um relaxation all of the basics of the work because the horse knows the job now you know those six months was really tough to teach him all of the new stuff um yeah Yeah. something so simple like you know he was such a super small horse he knew x was halt you know every time x halts all of a sudden it's no x we've got to keep doing something so little things like that just typical green mistakes uh uh so i am very excited to have another year Um, I've been able to do a lot of homework over the summer and I think, um, the horse and I are only better for it with some more time. So I, you know, I know a lot of people and I, a lot of my good friends and colleagues, you know, some horses aged out, you know, obviously keeping horses down and healthy and going for another year. Sometimes is quite a tricky thing. Um, so I feel for all those people, but I'm not going to lie inside. I was secret cheer for
0: the worldwide pandemic. (laughs) I completely (laughs) understand. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, you've achieved so much in your career. Do you have a favorite accomplishment? Like, was it last uh, 2019 with that gold or was there something else? Like, what's your most favorite?
1: I mean, I think the two things that always stand out is, you know, starting my own business, like designing a loan. Oh, and doing all of that and really making something that really felt like my own. Um, because as much as I'm a rider and competitor, I'm almost I'm also a businesswoman. So that definitely a huge accomplishment and also being so successful in the business was definitely a huge accomplishment for me. And then yeah, I mean, I don't think I can say anything else besides winning the goal at Pan Ams and just standing up there on that podium, you know, like every little girl dreams with the American flag going up. I was, did so you cry? Sad. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Now. It. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I think my was crying I think everybody was crying. My mom was able to be there. the um, oh. whole family were there. So it was so sweet. That was definitely a very mem- memorable moment and you know, it's very addicting. So I want to recreate that feeling as times again, as I possibly can
0: good on you yeah 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 (laughs) okay so what about what's a, a low that you've had like a horse got sick or injured or you just had a horrible test you got eliminated you came dead last it was just a bad 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 day in the office
1: you know I think um it, this was a very big turning point in me as a person. Oh, she's gonna cry just thinking about it. Oh, stop. <laughs> um, I know, I know. So, um, last year in, uh, November of 2019, uh, Jerry passed away. Um, so, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was really surprised. He was a very healthy young guy, only 67. Um, and obviously, you know, yeah, he, you know, believed in me so much and, um, was really, yeah. And a mentor and a father figure and a business mentor, just such a smart human being that loved the horses, um, Yes. Yeah. And we had lots of big goals. Um, so that was hard. He died of a, uh, just a very sudden, uh, heart attack that nobody knew about. So, um, you know, it made me kind of, it makes everybody when you lose somebody close and unfortunately, yeah. not unfortunately, <clears throat> I really haven't lost too many people that are very close to me. So yeah. that was a good wake up call, you know, to what's important. And I have to say yeah. that since then You know, I have all these goals and I'm very goal-oriented, business-oriented, super competitive, probably to a fault. Um, And when something like that happens and you see not just how it affects me, I mean, I'm super selfish to be so upset about it because this whole family, you know, dealing with so much other stuff. God
0: no I, that was not the ending of that story i thought he's he's going to be there in 21 and we're having a big party. yeah i know it was it was great that he could be there for the
1: pan yeah. um and it was so special because at his funeral you know this man he created such huge business i mean he had thousands of employees and giant businesses that I can't even begin to explain or comprehend. And his favorite thing everybody talked about were the horses. His picture at his funeral was him in the USEF jacket with the medal, the gold medal around his neck. So um, I know, I know. So it was really cute that um, through all of his accomplishments and all of his big houses and fancy cars. He He was a
0: great guy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly
1: so that really woke me up and uh you know I will always ride for Jerry and his family amazing and super supportive and you know we're doing this for him we're gonna continue this for him um but yeah it makes you wake up and go you know family is very important there are things outside of the horses (laughs) as much as that's very hard to say because I probably should you know practice what I preach a little more but it definitely since that has happened I've learned you know that I need to do things in moderation and take time for myself and my family and my friends and boyfriends and dogs and all that and just make sure that you know you enjoy every moment because you don't know I mean that man was totally so it's such a shame such a loss to the horse community he was really involved in um, starting to start programs to help the youth in dressage, you know, he really was uh, always talking about how can we give back, how can we help the sport, um, so, you know, such a, such a loss for so many reasons, um, but yeah, that would probably be one of the lowest low, you know, right when I'm, you know, leaving for Florida to go and train to do it without him was really tough.
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And yes, thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about what a great, amazing superstar he was. Yeah, really, really
1: yeah. Cool. So. So we will continue to do it for him. And he's left behind Mm -hmm. a great wife and family and grandson and his whole extended family. I mean, they all have kept this ranch going and Mm -hmm. um, they've, you know, expressed how behind me they are and they're super excited and very proud of the horses that we have and the goals we still have to accomplish. So I feel very fortunate that they, uh, that they knew how much it meant to him. So that's why if you guys ever see on my social media, it's
0: always hashtag ride for jerry oh brilliant that is super 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 yeah very very cool okay so um where to from here i guess what is it about dressage that you love why why you mentioned you know, you know that that whole event that's kind of taught you you should think about moderation and think about other things in life and that there is other things besides riding horses so um you clearly do don't ride dressage just for the Olympics. Like there must be something no. else for like I think you can kinda of go up to six months. Yeah I'm kinda done with that. Um so what is what is that for you? You know, so growing
1: up, I think I, I just love the animals, you know, so at the end of the day, if I couldn't ride, I would still want to do something with the animals. Like I love the horses and the beings there, they are, you know, and I think we all can relate to the fact that, you know, the horses are so judgment, they don't judge us, right? They're judgment free. Yeah. Um, they always start every day, most like most of the time, maybe a mare here and there, <laughs> but mostly with the clean- late, you know, and I, I really truly believe that the horses are always trying to be good. I really don't believe there's a bad horse out there. And so just at the end of the day, if you take away the sport and the competitiveness and my personal human goals, I, I just love riding, you know, so yeah. what, whatever sport that meant, it's just such an amazing feeling to have a, a communication, like some kind of, it's like almost like the sixth sense with a horse and be able to communicate with this animal that doesn't speak your language. You know, you only have very minimal body language, you know, feel things back on them and you can teach them to do all these crazy things that are very hard for them. And then the horse Mm. somehow for some reason likes to do that for you. So I think just at the end of the day, just, I love being a horseman and I love taking any horse, you know, back when I had all those horses in training, I was known for taking any shape size, breed you know problem and we would take it and we work with it so it was so fun for me to see a horse progress and it didn't matter you know whether it's dressage or it was jumping what forever whatever reason it's so fun to see a horse get it um and so I I love it just for the horses themselves they're amazing animals um you know, I I just love spending time with them, and I think riding them is such a privilege. Um, and then, you know, if you go back in the day, I of course um was an adrenaline junkie. You know, with the the eventing, I love to go fast and I love to jump high. Um, and, but then I think as I got older and my feel got more refined, I get a different adrenaline rush or a high when my horse gives me an amazing extended trot or I get those flying changes or my young horse canters straight down the long side. You know? so, <laughs> so I think that's the thing. One of the things you know, I think most of us who ride dressage are that a triple plus personality, you know, everything must be perfect, we must get everything done. Um, and I think that's what turns us all onto this is nobody's gotten a 100%. Nobody ever. So it's yeah. one of those yeah. sports where you can keep trying and you can keep getting better and you you never are good at it. So you can be the best and you still haven't you're still not at a hundred percent. The best of them aren't. So, I mean, what a cool sport to keep. You can always be better. Um, And so I think between that to feed my competitive, you know, a plus personality along with the fact I just love animals and love the horses themselves. I mean,
0: I think I'm the luckiest person on earth to call this my job. I mean, this is my job. How crazy is that? I love it. You mentioned this um, uh, type A kind of personality. Are you a perfectionist and are you like OCD in all areas of your life or just in the writing?
1: So, <laughs> conversion <laughs> time. Um, so, when it comes to the bone, And my horses, totally. I am, I am weirdly particular about where things are put in the tack room, how things get put away, you know, the order things get done with the horses, the order I ride them with. You know, when I'm riding, I have to keep remembering, reminding myself that I'm on an animal and they might not be feeling great that day because I do want it to be perfect. Um, and, and with certain tasks, I completely am super type A, but I'm also the person that has a pile of clean laundry and a pile of dirty laundry. <laughs> I'm also the person that sometimes the closet looks like a tornado hit it. So I think I have this like funky balance of you know, yes, I am, but I'm also kind of a laid-back person. So, um, so I have both sides of me for sure. I love it. I love
0: it. I
1: love it. What does a typical day look like? So I generally start, um, every day with apple. So I only live about a, a mile away from the farm. So, um, and I have, we have four dogs. So all the dogs come every day to the barn. Um, and I start every day with my number one. So Apple's the first horse every day. Um, and then I, I generally ride five to seven, eight horses uh, total a day. I always have a couple really nice sales horses and I have my younger horses that I'm bringing along that I ride as well. And and currently I only have one client who, I don't even know if I could call her a client, but she has a client and, and a partner and a dear friend who's been with me. She was a client when I had all my crazy amount of horses. And, and she is one that I have wanted to stay with the whole time. She's a a very good friend as well. Super amateur rider. She really shouldn't be an amateur. She's uh, very good at rides as well as most professionals. So I teach her every day. So that, that feeds my teaching passion. Um, And I generally spend from, you know, 7am until probably 3 to 4pm at the farm, you know, riding Apple gets out twice a day, Um, so I ride him in the morning, and then he goes for a hack again in the afternoon. Most of my horses are on that program, Um, and then all of my horses spend as many hours as they feel like. Uh, A lot of them, like, stay out all day. Other horses have time limits, but they all go out in a very big grass field. So I, coming from my eventing days, I'm a big believer in turnout. I'm a big believer in cross training. So all my horses go on the trail. And when I say the trail, not just like hack ones around the arena, they go up and down the mountains, through our water, through the creeks and streams, um, and they love it. And I think it's such a good thing for them. Um, so we, we make sure that they also live a good horse life um so most of my days spent there and then I I also then either work out um you know now with COVID things have changed a little bit I used to have a a great uh personal trainer that specializes just in equestrians that would come to my farm um now everything's done over an app um so I either do some something physical you know at home or at the farm uh outside of the horses um and then uh I don't know, binge watch 90 day fiance, you know, I'm kind of a normal person in the evenings.
0: <laughs> we don't have 90 day fiance. That sounds like a really good show. <laughs> you, don't,
1: you have to, you have to work it up. out. Amazing. Yes, you are. It's the, I, I, I one of the things that I need as a human, cause I, my brain is always going. I'm always thinking I need brainless TV. So 90 Day Fiance <laughs> is what I would call brainless TV.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. That's awesome. Um, let me just speak about, I loved how you said all the dressage horses go hacking and it's hacking. It's through the water and it's up and down. Yeah. Um, and you said Apple gets ridden in the morning and hacking in the afternoon. Does every horse get ridden twice a day, six days a week? Like, can you speak a little uh-huh. bit more about training schedule it just just
1: depends on the time of year the show schedule their work schedule you know I have always believed like motion is lotion so horses in the wild walk constantly, miles and miles and miles. Mm -hmm. So all of my physios and my vets, and I think my vet sometimes cringes when he hears what I'm doing, but he can't complain Mm -hmm. because my horses are all very happy and sound. Um, But I believe the more movement, the better. So Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely the second rides are not hard rides. You know, the younger horses, that's a little hard on the mind wise. So they sometimes will just spend more time out in the field instead um, but, you know, with Apple, it's and with a lot of the other competition horses, it's a sneaky way to up their conditioning. Again, yeah. back from my venting days, I, all of my horses would get schooled in the morning, and then we would do gallop and trot sets in the afternoon. So mm-hmm. it, it's not hard on their legs, but it's a, a cardio conditioning. So in my mind, you know, going on a four, 30, 45-minute walk on a loose rein, you know, it's normally not mentally hard on a horse, say, actually end up really enjoying it um so it, it just kind of again depends on time of year and conditioning schedule um sometimes I'll let the horses down and then they only go out once a day and they mostly are out on the turnout um but during the high competition twice a day it's it's great because I find then the horses are never tight and stiff the next day and they really mentally are happy I mean I don't know many horses that want to be in their box
0: absolutely and do you have a walker as well or is it i'm like do you ever have a horse that comes from europe that can't go outside it just runs every time um
1: you know only a few times have i had that it's amazing most of my horses end up and i think because they can go out and they're next to each other um And I think they, they end up really liking it out there. Um, I do have my own personal horses, random. And, you know, some days he'll start screaming after 30 minutes and he wants to be brought in. And other days yes. he wants to stay out and you can't even catch him to bring him in. So it's definitely <laughs> like a personal thing with the horses, but I find most of them, if they're in a regular program, I don't really see any of them running around wildly out there they're just kind of happy to hang out because it's part of their routine so we have yeah. different ways of introducing them to the turnout you know smaller yeah. ones first and we put them without. out with the frisian is our our token yeah. frisian is calming influence for most of those horses and then they end up liking it
0: yes yeah oh that's awesome brilliant okay do you have any sponsors you'd like to mention I have a
1: lot of sponsors that have been with me for a long time. Um, I have N2 Saddlery, who was probably, I think, one of my first ever sponsors, period. They had just started their company, and um, they are a super saddle company. All my horses go in them. So that's N2 Salary. Um, I also work closely with a company called Halter Ego, who all my horses go in their bridles, and I am always dressed in their super cute outfits from head to toe. Um, I have a super boot sponsor um, with really comfortable, super stylish. I know if anybody follows me on social media, I'm definitely a fashionista. So I I love the matchy-matchy bling. Yeah. You know, all my horses have their own bridles saddles and then I have matching boots to go with that horse so Kingsley is my boot sponsor that makes all my fun and sometimes crazy riding boots that I have um and then my you know so I also, sorry, in-
0: stop before you go yeah. you change your boots every horse
1: so not at home <laughs> not- <laughs> I was about to say because that would be a little excessive. So not at home, um, but definitely it shows I have outfits and boots that match each and every horse. So I have um, my young horse goes in burgundy. So the saddle is burgundy. My boots are burgundy. Um, you know, apple is, of course, red, white, and blue. And then I have a mare that goes in, uh, in like pearls. So all of that is kind of pearl matching. So I'm definitely a fashionista when it comes I to. I have huge,
0: yeah. huge matchy right now that is amazing
1: (laughs) it's fun it's fun I have to reel it in every once in a while because my coaches are very traditional so so I it can only be so much but uh it's all done very classy but I I do enjoy uh
0: throwing no matter what you wear it's all good you (laughs) can back on the horse and I'll work on the match match. (laughs) exactly Awesome. So yeah, sorry to, to, I had to just unpack that, but yes, keep going with yeah. your responses.
1: <laughs> yes, that's what's great. So, and also to go along with my saddles, I have a great um stirrup that I use that helps with my like knee and hip, especially when I was riding so many horses, MDC stirrups. Yeah. And then I think one of the most important things that I've learned, um, you know, about the horses is they are athletes too. So their nutrition is so mm-hmm. important. Um, so I feed my horses triple crown grain and they all are on, uh, platinum performance, which platinum performance creates a, a huge line of different supplements. So I can, uh, tailor it for each horse and they're all veterinary approved. It's, it's quite an amazing product line for that. Um, and then I have again to go with my matchy matchy. My horses goes in, uh, dressage sport boots. Um, and I, Underneath my really fancy riding boots, I have my foot huggy socks, because again, on the side, when I'm not in riding clothes, I generally, nobody would be able to guess them at the barn all day. I, I do love my designer clothes and I like my pedicures and manicures. So these socks actually make your pedicures last longer in your this boots. Of
0: yeah.
1: Uh, it is, of course. So that's the foot yeah. huggy socks that have, that have cat- really helped with that yeah. Instagram so my Instagram handle is at SL Dressage and uh, my Facebook is just my name Sarah Lockman. and you can also find me we have two websites one that's for the farm the beautiful farm I've talked about that we're at here in Marietta California and that's www.summitfarm.com and my own personal website where you can follow along with what I'm doing with each horse and look for the very interesting cool Sources that we bring in on a regular basis it's sldressage.com
0: thank you so much we will have all of that in the show notes so people can get those links if they didn't get it just then but that is amazing anything else you'd like to finish with no you know thank you so much for having me on this show and you
1: know if you or anyone else has any other questions indeed tell me and feel free to reach out and email to me i love getting people's questions whether it's training questions i'm i'm available for the virtual lessons now that everybody is doing so i've yes. been quite a lot of pixio and Pixium lessons and um after 2021 i will be open for booking clinics as well so yes. um it's shows i love to tell everybody a little bit more about me i know everybody sees me out in the ring and on video but uh this way you can see a little bit more about the real sarah
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. I have no doubt. Um, people might look at you and if they didn't know your story, go, everything worked out. Um, it's all, you know, isn't that so lucky for Sarah? Everything goes well for Sarah. But Sarah, I have never met someone I think that has worked so, so hard with such a clear vision and such a clear idea of, well, this, it's not just, I want to get there. I want to get there. I want to get there. You kept doing the, and how am I going to get there? And you've worked and worked and worked on, on plans and you backed yourself time and time and time after again. And, um, I'm a little bit of a believer in homeschooling. So I'm loving to hear that you, um, are homeschooled because I see a lot of homeschoolers have that drive, have that tenacity, have that persistence. Um, all those really great character uh, traits that, you know, to me, if you want a recipe for success or you want a guarantee of success, it's those kinds of things. If you're persistent, committed, dedicated, clear it's guaranteed. Um, so I love you're a living, breathing example of that. And I just really want to honor you, congratulate you, congratulate everyone associated with you. And, um, I just think you're a complete rock star. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. I think the one thing, one of the things I pride myself on is, you know, no one will be able to outwork me. So I think yeah. if you ask, yeah. that's ever known me in my career and my childhood up until now, I think everybody would say Sarah's a hard worker. So, you know, for what I lack in some of the other areas, I will always make up for it by working really hard. And uh, You know, one of the things, uh, a little quote I like to live by is, you know, you live the life you choose. So yeah. from the beginning, from when I was 10, I said, this is going to be my life. I want this picture. So this little girl from a very less than family in the middle of nowhere in a cow town in Nevada said, I'm going to do it. So, um, I always say that to myself, you live the life you choose. So, so we are going to keep moving forward. I think there's exciting things to come. I so appreciate your kind words and I will be over here working hard and trying to make it to the next goal
0: yeah I cannot wait to give you a call and congratulate you, and we'll have just a just a celebratory drink to um because I know that's in your future I'm hundred percent guaranteed on that, so I'm so excited. Thank you so much everyone will have gotten so much out of that, so thank you so much Thank you so much for
1: having me. It was great to having this chat.
0: Awesome. Okay, see you. To stay up to date with the latest content, don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast. Go on, hit subscribe. I'd love if you would also love to leave us a review to help us how we could do better or make this even more amazing for you. And remember to follow us on Instagram at success and natasha.altoff.